This podcast was recorded on the ancestral lands on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and the Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. This is Humans on Rights, a podcast advocating for the education of human rights. Here's your host, Stuart Murray. What do a former heroin addict and a manager of the big yellow tin can public washroom on Main Street have in common? Well, they are one and the same. And that is my guest today, Jacob Kaufman. Jacob, welcome to Humans on Rights. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Jacob, let's talk a little bit about uh, what you're doing today. I know that you are uh, managing the public washroom. Uh, which is uh, located near Thunderbird House. How long have you been doing that? And what do you find? Is there such a thing as a typical day? I've been there since the beginning, since the conception of it. When I moved back to Winnipeg a few years ago, uh, there was no public washroom for anyone to use in Winnipeg, not just the unsheltered. So I've been involved in it since the conception and and the building. And now that it's there, we've been open for just over a year. And a typical day is just hanging out with some awesome people, being there for if they need resources, uh, home production supplies, whatever their needs. So that's an interesting position to take, Jacob, because it is deemed to be a public washroom, but clearly it's much, much more than that. And when you talk about a typical day, I suspect there's no such thing as a typical day. You're dealing with a lot of unsheltered people, as you say. What are the other elements that people can anticipate when they come to the public washroom? Being treated like people, uh, not animals. So I do want to stress that it's not just, uh, the bathroom is not just for unsheltered people. And it's really for any anyone in Winnipeg traveling through Winnipeg to use and it's just we go by the philosophy of treat people like people and that is my philosophy and is what I believe in it's dignity uh, of of being able to use the washroom in private and it's amazing we uh we do everything we can for the community like it's just it's amazing the work that my staff and I do and let's just delve into that a little bit, if you will, Jacob. So for somebody who is unsheltered and obviously, you know, they need a, a public washroom. So that's one of the elements that's there. Let's talk about what other human elements. I mean, this is a podcast about human rights. There's a lot of rights that you are offering up to the people that come into the public washroom. What else might they experience when they're there if, if they need assistance? We assist with housing. We've housed over 30 people since we opened so we do work with different organizations around the city and with housing hygiene products harm reduction products we've also advocated for different people to get back into shelters or places they may be uh removed from we also do a lot of advocating with victims of abuse to be honest and getting them the help they need i can't quite go into detail about that but we really whatever the community needs we will do 120% to attempt to give them that and help them out with it. It's way more than a public washroom. I don't mean to demean because the public washroom is super important, but it's way more than that. 
Oh yeah, we're we're resource center slash public washroom, which sounds kind of weird when when I say it out loud and people don't quite get it. But when they come in, it's three stalls, and then we're sitting by the fire exit uh, out of the office. We are not office huggers, so we are there right point blank for the community for whatever they may need. Come up, talk to us. If you're frustrated, talk to us. If you need, like just just to hang out and chill for a few minutes and, and and get stuff off your chest, we're there. We're there for you to listen. So really, whatever whatever anybody needs, we're there to help. Within reason, we can only go so, so far with helping, but because we are a little tiny bathroom. The idea was the bathroom. That was the original idea was to build a public washroom here in Winnipeg for everyone to use. And the resource center is just the amazing byproduct of what it's turned into and what it always in the back of our heads, we knew it would be. So you mentioned something, Jacob, about that you offer there and uh, you mentioned the word harm reduction. Tell us a little bit about what that's involving. We offer condoms, lube, safe smoking kits and safe injection equipment. So what that is, is needles, water, alcohol swabs, everything you'll need to be safe if you choose to use outside of our building, of course. The safe smoking kits are essentially crack pipes with plastic mouth tubes on them that we hand out to the community. Okay. Now, why, why would they have plastic uh, mouth tubes on them? Drugs are, are like alcohol. So I am lumping alcohol, cigarettes, all that into one thing, even coffee. It's a very social thing. People tend to like to do them with others. And we encourage if you are going to use any kind of substance, use them around other people uh, to bring down the risk of opioid poisoning and different poisonings from drugs. But what it does is it the plastic tubes, it's so if one person wants to smoke, they take the tube off, they give it to their friend beside them, and they can do it. And along with the needles and other equipment that we hand out, it actually brings down the rate of AIDS, HIV, hepatitis, uh, just horrible things that tend to ravage different communities and different people. It, it brings that down to almost zero. Because there's no chance of you catching something from someone if you're using fresh equipment. You've got a fair bit of experience and, you know, I'm going to make a note, you know, every podcast I put episode notes on, Jacob. And one of the things I will write up in the in the notes, a reminder, is that you did a uh, TEDx talk, which uh, I think it was back in March. It was um, uh, I, I'm going to encourage everybody to to have a listen because you you talk about your your upbringing, your life story, and how it how you turned yourself around to do the kinds of things that you're doing today. In that TEDx talk, you talked about the fact that Winnipeg saved your life. How so? Well, when I came here in uh, 2000, I I knew nobody. I had nothing. It was the middle of winter, and and the people, the community in Winnipeg took me in. And they allowed me to figure out what I need to do for success and, and to get off heroin. And it's just, I love this city. I love the people. I love the community. I love the culture. Everything about Winnipeg is amazing. Uh, a lot of people tend to get down on it, but for me, I, I just, I can't picture anywhere else being home. Just through the connections I've made through working and meeting new people, it just, it saved me. It, it helped me figure out what I need to do. Well, how did you go from heroin 
addict to being clean? I, oh boy, I, I've tried for years to get off heroin and the other stuff that I was doing and it wasn't working because it was back then it was all AANA based programs and I'm not disrespecting those programs, but they never worked for me. They never, it just something about it didn't click in with me. Here in Winnipeg, I figured out that if I want to get off heroin, I'm just not going to do heroin to it. So it's it's a daily struggle for the last 23 years of I'm just not going to do heroin today. And I, I know it sounds simple, but it's not. But that's that is how I've gotten off it and not gone back on is because today I don't want to do it and I'm not going to. Congratulations. I mean, I, I don't say that lightly and I can't say that, uh, you know, I can even try to sort of imagine what you've, what you've lived, Jacob, but I can hear your story and I, what is impressive is what you're now currently involved in. When you talk about, um, you know, somebody might come into the washroom who, you know, that they're a user, they're a heroin addict and they're asking for a kit. How do you deal with that individual? What, what sort of advice, if any, do you feel that you need to give them? understanding that you are a former user. So I don't give anyone advice. I don't tell anyone what to do. I don't give anyone my opinion on how they can be sober. So the way that that we've traditionally looked at addiction, right, is you have to do X, Y, Z to get off uh, to get off your drug of choice. And it's always been so stringent. You have to, what is it, interventions. You have to go cold turkey. Like, that works for some people. You have to go to meetings, but it doesn't work for everyone. When people come to me and they ask me how to do something, how to get off their drug of choice, I don't tell them how because that's up for them to decide. So once that person's figured out what they want to do, and come to me and say, Jake, I want detox. Jake, I want this. I want this. I want this. They've come up with the plan that they know what that will work for them. So I could give all the advice and talk to them and bloom my face. But the truth is until a person is truly ready to change. And part of that, I fully believe is them coming up with the solution. I'm just there to help. I always say that I don't walk in front of people. I don't walk beside them. I walk slightly behind them uh, and and will help in any way I can once they figured it out. And I mean, me personally, in the work I've done, I have 15 people who've been housed permanently for the last oh gosh, four years, uh, four to five years. And, and they have their family back. They have jobs they're amazing they're doing what they needed to do and all they did was come up to me and be like hey jacob i'm ready uh can you help me with this and i'd be like all right what do you want so so that's how i do it that that's my magic trick uh shall we say and just coming back to the public washroom it's uh it's not open 24 hours at this point if i understand correctly no no we're open from 7 a.m to 11 p.m at night and, and how many people would you say since the public washroom's been open would you would you have seen as visitors? Goodness, so anywhere between twenty five hundred a month to four thousand a month. A lot of people. A lot. And do you see 
the same people who are say unsheltered do they do you see sort of the same people coming to see you or do you see such a tremendous change of people passing through by the way just so i, I can ask this question just out of respect what what do you call people that come to the public washroom do you call them visitors do you call them clients friends family friends people yeah i i don't subscribe to uh to labeling people they're they're all just people yeah family yeah they they are family <laughs> yeah so do you see a regular members of the family the community come through um or is it quite a varied group jacob from your perspective we have our regulars but winnipeg is a hub so it's in the middle of the country so we have people coming and going like from day to day so we we see everybody yeah and and i think the one one element that i want to bring into the conversation is right across the street from where the public washroom is and and uh, a good friend of mine and obviously somebody that you know extremely well is is al weeb uh he's been on this podcast talking about uh, how he went through being unsheltered and how he's now be, like you become a strong educator and advocate on behalf of that that um community what does Hope Alley mean to you, uh, Jacob? It's Hope Alley is, again, it's a corridor in, in downtown Winnipeg that leads to almost every resource center, every every alley of hope for people. I aspire to be just that much like that that human being. He is amazing, but it, it's hope. And, and I talk about this in my TED Talk. I, I don't subscribe to that BS uh, hopelessness thing. There is no hopeless situation because in the back of our head there's always that little voice that says this will get better this can get better yeah and you've seen that i mean you you've lived that yeah if if i were to have just gone with the whole oh this is hopeless this is hopeless and yeah i've thought it i i've i've subscribed to that train of thought for a while until it clicked in my head that I just shut the heck up for a minute and heard that voice in my head that this isn't hope. Like if I, I would have subscribed to that, I, w- I would be dead or not in the position that I'm in now. You know, one of the things that um, is a fascination when we had that event, which you were very much involved with uh, talking about tackling homelessness. Why do we find ourselves as in a society where there are so many people that are unsheltered? I mean, you, you've been there, you've lived on the street, uh, you've come through it, Jacob. And it's not a simple answer, I can appreciate that. But, but how do you feel that we've come into such a situation where there's so many unsheltered? Well, there's always been so many unsheltered. It's just, it's getting more prevalent and it's getting more out there. There is no 100% reason. Like, it, it's everything from trauma, abuse to... Oh goodness, we're being taxed to death. Uh, it cost the other day when I went yesterday when I went shopping. It, it cost me three hundred dollars, and I am one person. So there, there's a billion different reasons as to why. Yeah, and and I, I mean, obviously, having you know the public washroom is 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 a start in the right direction. You're obviously helping a lot of people in many ways. We try, like we we try. You know, Jacob, if you could be, uh, you know, the prime minister for a day, the mayor for a day, the pri- the premier for a day, you know, everybody talks about homelessness, trying to tackle it. What message would you give to to those decision makers about the best way to start tackling homelessness? 
I I always think in my head, what if I was the creator of God for a day? How how would I deal with this? And honestly, I would just create housing, all diff- every different kind of social housing and different kind of housing that we've ever heard of, all of us, and there's a billion of them. It's I would create them all because when you give someone a house and you allow them to understand that this is your place it's yours it belongs to you no one can take it away then people get comfortable and realize that this is my house they treat it nice it's it's i would create housing on this podcast i had melissa stone who uh, oversees a small village of homes behind thunderbird house asked him apuinikanak i think is the proper name it's it's about creating a place that is a home it's not about the size as a matter of fact i think sometimes the smaller people feel more comfortable in a smaller environment is that kind of your experience yes yes so we can take people off the streets and put them into a hotel or different kind of housing unless they know it's theirs it doesn't feel like home. It doesn't feel right. And coming off the streets after years of sleeping on the cement, as I call it, I mean, it took me almost eight years to sleep on an actual bed. Until I met my wife, I I, I preferred sleeping on the floor because it, the mattress, I, I wasn't comfortable doing it. So it's just allowing people a home to feel safe, to feel like it's theirs. You spent some time in BC, in Vancouver or Surrey, maybe in particular, working at uh, what was deemed to be safe injection sites. Are you a, a, a believer that we need more safe injection sites? Yes. So when I worked in, in Surrey, I worked at a shelter and in the back of the shelter, we had a safe smoking tent. So people could go there outside and they could smoke their substances and we had a safe injection site in front of the building and the fact is is that safe places to use drugs that people use choose to use number one it it provides them with life safety help so if they happen to have an incident where they have drug poisoning uh we're there to help it also massively brings down the rate of aids hiv hepatitis and other communicable diseases which is which is massive. Quick story, when Vancouver had the Olympics a few years back, every time you have the Olympics in a country, the WHO, the World Health Organization, has to come down and do an audit. So they actually did an audit of Hastings Street in Vancouver where, where I cut my teeth. And in a nine-block radius, it had a higher rate of AIDS, HIV, and hepatitis than most small countries in developing nations a higher rate. And this is Canada. So since we've actually expanded the safe injection sites uh, in downtown Vancouver, it, it has not solved the unsheltered problem or, or any of the other problems. But what it has done is it's created a safe place for people to use to get help when they want it. And yeah, it, it is incredible. What do you say, Jacob, to the notion when the conversation around safe injection sites becomes part of a public conversation that there would be those that would sort of 
advocate and say, well, no, that's just going to create more drug users. I mean, that that's that's what that's going to do. It's it's not going to help. It's going to create a bigger problem because more people will want to use drugs there. No, the fact is, is that people are using drugs everywhere. So I I cannot go into names. I will say that when the safe smoking site opened, when the safe injection site would open that I worked at previously, uh, we would see a large amount of people with very surprising jobs come in, do their drugs, and then go to work. And by work, I mean the CFL. That, that's all I can say. I won't ask any more, but, but, but just to be clear, what you're saying is that people that would come in that are users, you're giving them a safe place to use. These are professional athletes business people, uh, lawyers, lawyers, doctors, educators, you name it, people use drugs. And, and I'm, I'm cool with that. All, all I want to do is make sure people are safe when they use it. Because unfortunately, until we get a safe supply of drugs, people are going to still OD and have drug poisoning. I hope that answers your question. No, no, I listen, you know, it, 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 it does. And because I, I think a lot of the conversation today is done by from time to time, not trying to be critical. I'm just trying to sort of do an analysis when conversations around issues like this happen. It's not always the people that are frontline, frontline people like you, Jacob, who have come through this process from the, the user side to now the advocate for safety. Uh, knowing again that people use drugs, that you want to do it in a way that is in a safe way. And I'm not sure that how often the people that work the front lines are asked of their opinion. There's always a sense that, well, we know how to help you. And the way we're going to help you is through the following policy or the following process, which might be interesting in terms of words on a piece of paper, but they don't actually be they don't actually help the frontline workers to deal with the real issue. No, there, I mean, everywhere you go, if you're working in this field, there's going to be policies and procedures and like everywhere you go there, there's going to be issues with those. But I just want to go back like uh, to the question you asked me is, and, and that's nobody wakes up and says, hey, I'm going to be a drug addict. It's 99% of people that I know that I've experienced in my life. Number one, it wasn't like through gateway drugs like marijuana or alcohol. It was, hey, I want to try it. And then they're hooked. So we live in Winnipeg, right? So right now there's there's snow on the ground and it is icy as heck. So you and I, we go outside, we shovel our driveway, uh, we slip, we fall, we hurt our back. Then we go to the hospital and the doctor gives us those little white pills. Well, for a lot of us, uh, it's the second you take those little white pills, you're hooked. Like it, it's addiction is not sitting on top of the cloud. And I say this a lot too. It's not just waiting to pick out, say people of color or, or people who, who are impoverished. It's, it's they're waiting for everyone. So anyone can become an addict at any time. Like no, no one chooses to uh, be uh, addicted to, to a substance that they have to take every day to, to be well, to survive. So, one of the, the things just for listeners 
we listen, we, we live in a city, as you say, in Winnipeg, we're no different than a lot of cities. But, you know, you're driving in your, your vehicle, you might be listening to the news, uh, you might be having a conversation with your seatmate and your passenger in your car. You pull up to an intersection, the light turns red, and you realize there's somebody standing holding a handwritten cardboard sign that says, please help, anything will do. What would advice would you give to somebody who might say, what, what should I do there? I'm not sure what to do. I want to help. I'm not sure how to help. I'm not sure if I am helping, if I give them something. So I try to just turn away. What, what advice would you give to somebody who is faced with that, as we all are on a daily basis? If you want to give, give. That, that's it. I, I can't tell people. I can tell you my experience. So I don't have it on right, right now. One second. I just got to grab something. Uh, just over here. So, sorry, I have it on my shelf. I don't always wear it. So, I have a nice little watch here, not too fancy. 300 bucks uh, that I went and spent on it. So, the reason that I went out and spent 300 bucks on a watch, I've had this watch for years. And the reason I bought it is because I used to sit and panhandle on Robson Street in Vancouver. It, that's where all the movie stars, all the like $5,000 for a t-shirt stores are. And I would sit there all day and I would simply ask, do you know what time it is? And I would be ignored all day. So I, I bought that because to help with that crappy memory. So talk to people, just say, hi, give what you can. If you want to, if you're not comfortable giving money, give, give, Give an apple, give give some kind of food, but just say hi. Just just say hi. Don't ignore people. It's it's we raise our kids to be good. We raise our kids to be to be nice to people and talk to people and not ignore people. But as adults, we tend to forget that, which is a huge thing about growing up. So if you're comfortable, say give what you can. If you don't want to and you're dead against it, then don't. That's my advice from people. And and the notion, again, I think some of us would say that I, 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 I might give you a toonie or five dollars if I happen to have it. But, you know, I hope you're going to go to a place to buy a sandwich, you know, to buy some food. I mean, that would be, you know, the hope of the person giving the money to the individual standing there. That may not be their their end use. I mean, they may want to use that money to foster a habit, a uh, drug habit that they have. And I think that's sometimes the the thinking that that's why I, I won't give you that money because that's what you're going to spend it on. What do you what do you say to people that, that have that feeling? We don't know. We just don't know what they're going to spend it on. Personally, I, I don't care what they spend it on. In some, in a lot of cases, it's for food. It's to buy things like there's only a limited supply of uh, free mints and free toques right now. So it, it essentially is getting money for whatever you need. So we get paid. We go to work, right? We get a paycheck. A lot of us, uh, not me, because nah, I don't really like feeling, but a lot of people buy booze with that. They have to have their two glasses of wine afterward or two beers or three beers. Like it's, they're going to spend it on what they spend it on. And if you're comfortable with that, just just help out. What's the we you know we talked a little bit about this during the 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 tackling homelessness session that we had. What's your your sort of thought about um, judging people? 
you know, we, we, we had a conversation about the, the fact that there's a lot of just natural human instinct that you see somebody and you judge them. And I think that was something that you and all the people on the panel basically sort of said, don't judge people. Why is that? Why is that important? Okay, when I first hit Bramble Street in Vancouver, I was, I was a child. I was a kid. I weighed like 90 pounds soaking wet. I was, I was, had an attitude. I was, I was stupid. These people, the homeless people, the unsheltered people down there, people's first impressions was, oh, you're a young kid. They're going to pimp you out. They're going to sell you. They're going to beat you. They're going to use you. They're going to throw you away. They're going to do all these horrible things. They took me in. They showed me actual love. Discipline was part of it. I needed to be disciplined in order to survive. So these people that everyone would think X, Y, Z would happen, no, they they were just like, come here, what's your story? Where are you from? Holy crap, you were put into this foster home where they did X, Y, Z to you, performed exorcisms on you, uh, beat you daily. We're going to take you in and show you something different. And, and that's my thing about uh, judging people. It's the, they, my family took me in and showed me love. And in that case, your definition of family were other unsheltered people that surrounded you. Yeah. And they're still my family. That That's why when I do, when I do label people around my work is, is as family, because even though I'm removed from it and I'm working now and I'm no longer sleeping on the streets. They're still my family. They're my my brothers, my sisters, my moms, my dads, my aunties, my uncles, my my teachers. I learn every day from the community. Jacob, one of the elements I think that you talked about in your 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 TEDx talk was how you had a very difficult upbringing, but you have turned yourself around in an amazing way and become such a Oh, these are my words. I'll call you a champion for for others because you advocate strongly and 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 you educate those. I know you don't like to be called that, but I'm just a dog chasing his tail, man. That's all I am. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, no, well, and I and I I love that about the fact that uh, that's how you see the world because I mean you're clearly feet on the ground. You know, you're very realistic, and I think that's what you try to tell other people. I mean, we're coming into winter and Winnipeg can be quite cold in winter. In fact, you arrived in Winnipeg when it was quite cold. And I think you found a bit of shelter around a church somewhere when you first arrived. How do people survive when they're unsheltered in the winter? They survive, man. People people been surviving in in minus 40 temperatures since the dawn of time. A lot of people, uh, especially in encampments, uh, they stock up during the summer. They they get things like generators. They the the money that you hear about when panhandling uh, go goes to things to stock up for winter. So they insulate their tents. They they just do it. Uh, unfortunately, some people die of exposure, which is a sad reality of it. And that is one of the you know the elements when you have as and you and Al and. I was uh, I was invited to attend the uh, ceremony you had at Hope Alley, where you really list the names of people who have passed away in this year for for a number of reasons. And some of them be because of 
uh, freezing to death. Others would be from sickness and etc. But that is quite a powerful ceremony, Jacob, that you and you and Al and others have. Just talk a little bit about what it means to you to be surrounded by that community, that family, and and reading some of the names of of your family, your extended family, who have passed away in this uh, in this calendar year. It's heart wrenching. It's amazing, but mainly heart wrenching because ninety nine percent of the people who pass away for whatever reason, living unsheltered, shouldn't have. There, there's different. There's just different things that I don't want to get into that that could have prevented a lot of those deaths. We have to remember the people that passed before that passed. Like it's it's their names have to be remembered. Their names had to be said out loud, and they have to be remembered. And that comes kind of full circle to what you've been saying about how we treat humans as human beings. I mean, without judging them, everybody's a human being. Everybody has a right to be here. There's existing. Some people have a number of issues that they're they're struggling with. They're trying to deal with. They're looking for help. And I think you, Jacob Kaufman, are the right person for those people to seek advice from because of what you have been able to do with your life. Well, I appreciate your high praise. Thank you. Well, it's not high praise. It's a fact. I mean, you've, you know, a lot of people, you know, would not have survived as you have. I mean, you, you made it your, your life to survive. And now that you're on the other side, you're, you're, as you know, helping people, you're advocating as you are on this, on this, uh, on this podcast. But, but, you know, every day that you do that, when community comes to use the public washroom, for example, it's just, it's, it's, it's what I do. <laughs> It really is. It's just, it's an honor to give back to the people that took me in when no one else would and, and to teach me and help me grow and give me amazing life lessons. It's, it's, yeah. So, so Jacob, one of the questions uh, I just love to get your thoughts on, if somebody is listening to this podcast and is hearing some of the the challenges that we have dealing with unsheltered, dealing with people who um, have an addiction, who, I mean, all sorts of things, people who are, are struggling to, to try to be a better person of who they are. And I'm not even sure if that's the right way to explain it, but what I would like to get from you is if somebody said, how can I help? How can I make a difference? How can I get involved to uh, either be an advocate or how can I help those who are looking for assistance but don't know what to do? I mean, donations are always great to whatever organization that you choose. It will go back to the people. So donation is great. And just educated. Educate yourself and realize that, like, they're not just the people, especially the unsheltered people. Like, they're not, they're not throwaways. They're people should be treated like it. Like we, we all have people in our lives, every one of us who suffer from addiction. We don't like to talk about it or, uh, or, or call the people out on it or acknowledge their existence, but, but they're suffering. Like talk to them, treat people like people. That's fantastic. Jacob Kaufman, it, it is always great to spend a bit of time with you. 
it's great to get to start to get to know you better. And uh, I look forward to more conversations with you. I look forward to being the audience when you're talking about your experience. If I were to give you just kind of the last word in this Humans on Rights podcast that was really to talk about, you know, the issues that we need to have more conversation about with respect to the rights of human beings, what word would you use or what comments or paragraph or whatever you want to say that you would like to leave people as we say goodbye on this podcast? Number one, treat people like people. And I'm going to loosely quote the end of my TED talk here, if I can remember it. That that guy you see on the side of the street drinking mouthwash, be kind to him. That lady you see screaming at the sky and talking to themselves and throwing stuff around, uh, just talk to them. Talk to them. Treat them like people. That nasty little kid that's, that's 90 pounds soaking wet who who is doing unspeakable things for money on the corner getting exploited just realize that like 20 30 years from now 10 years 5 years it doesn't matter how many years these are the people that will be that could be uh teaching your kids uh it could be your doctor it could be your doctor's assistant it could be look what i've done it, it could be a person doing a podcast with you right now in 23 years just treat people like people don't look at what they're doing don't don't go into things with horse blinders on look at the whole picture of what they could be the potential in it every time that i constantly bring this up i'll point out certain community members at work while talking to the people that i work with and i'm like man can you imagine in 10 years when that person is, say, up north in a northern community teaching youth? Like, it's, it's everyone has this potential in them and just don't think they don't. That's it. That's a great way to end this podcast. Jacob Kaufman, thank you so much for taking time. And, uh, you know, thanks for, for what you do and you continue to do with the broader family and community. It's uh, it's just uh, it's just great to to uh, to have you on this podcast. So thank you for this. Thank you, and have a great day. You too. You take care. Thanks for listening to Humans on Rights. A transcript of this episode is available by clicking the link in the show notes of this episode. Humans on Rights is recorded and hosted by Stuart Murray. Social media marketing by Buffy Davy. Music by Doug Edmond. For more, go to humanrightshub.ca. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. You looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man Podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain App, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.